think, you know, we've been studying this series on, on the big ones. We've heard of uh, Nehemiah standing on the wall, telling him, I can't come down for the things of the world. I've got more important things to take care of. We've heard of the Apostle Paul. I don't know what we heard about him. You make up your own notes. Make up your own sermon on that one. We heard about Gideon down threshing wheat, hiding from the enemies of valiant, mighty warrior of God, and Samson, who for all his errors and faults was used of God to come against the Philistines. So in this series of the big ones, we've been hearing and learning of these men and women of God. And, you know, listening to all these different stories has affected me in, in different ways. The messages were both uplifting because it encourages me when I hear what God can do, but at the same time, it was discouraging. And you might not think that's possible, but for me it is. It's uplifting because I was able to see how God can use people no matter who they are. And that means God can use me, he can use you. But it was discouraging to me because so many of those bad traits that I saw in some of these individuals, if I'm honest with myself and I look in the mirror, I see them in myself. But you see, that's okay because it challenges me, challenges me. And I hope that you have gotten some of the same things out of these messages that I have. You see, we can be used of God as these were, regardless of how we look at ourselves or at how other people look at us. i just reminded of the story of David. God had rejected Samuel. I'm sorry, God had rejected Saul and sent Samuel on the way to anoint the new king. And all the sons of Jesse walked by him. Not this one, not that one, not that one. It was the young, ruddy boy out watching the sheep that the Lord chose. And why is that? See, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. So regardless of how you look at yourself or how the world looks at you, God can use you. And also we learned that we can overcome those traits that many of them had that hindered their walk with God. You see, that's what's so good. That's what's so great about Scripture. It reveals both the things that we like and the things that we don't like. Which, if we learn from it, makes our walk with God so much easier. Whether, whether the word reveals right or wrong, good or bad, flesh or spirit, obedience to the word develops in us and develops us into the people that God wants us to be. And that's how Joshua became, for me, one of the big ones. He was a man who was just willing to allow the Lord to work through him to use the word and, and become what God wants him to be. Before I go much further, I have some scriptures here in Joshua 1. It says, now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
So now arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, for the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot stepped, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No one will be able to oppose you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not desert you nor, or, nor abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may achieve success wherever you may go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He is faithful. Amen. You know, Joshua was such a pragmatic person. He wasn't flamboyant and he wasn't proud. Even though at many times he had reason to be. He was no Moses, although God did elevate him in the eyes of the people. He was no David. He wasn't an Elijah. For Joshua, there was no mountaintop experience where he went up into the mountain and the clouds descended, and there he spoke to God face to face as though they were friend to friend. There, was no, there were no crowds writing songs about him like they did about David. There was no list of miracles for him to look back on. But it was simply his adherence to God's word, his adherence to God's voice that made him the great leader that he was. He was a man who dealt with the practical even if he didn't understand it. Have you ever found yourself in a place with God where you're asking God for an answer, you're asking God for a vision, a way, and the answer comes to you and you have no idea what it means, and you know what our place is? Just simply do it. And this is what made Joshua so great. If God said it, that settled the matter for him. How many of us would be better off if after hearing from the Lord, we had just accepted it and gone on. This was a good trait in the many traits that comprised the character of Joshua. In Judges 2 and 7, it says this. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now, in case y'all haven't figured it out, it's not going to be just a normal sermon. When I chose Joshua and I went home and I began to study, I stopped several times and asked the Lord, I'm going, what did I do? 
I told someone just this morning out in the foyer, I said, I should have picked Jonah, <laughs> a one-story character. Joshua is such a varied personality, but one thing he has is that he was faithful, God was faithful to him because of it, and so the entire rule of Joshua says the people serve the Lord all the days of Joshua. When I die, I hope I can leave a legacy anything near approaching this. Joshua was without a doubt a great leader, but the question is what made him who he was? And can we in studying Joshua in any way emulate his traits? If we look at all of his traits and all of his attributes, I believe we see what made him the man that he was. And to sum it all up, I think we can do it in one word. He was a man of character. Write this down if you got your notes. If you don't have notes, you should. This morning you're going to hear some things that are going to amaze you, some things that are going to encourage you, some things that are going to give you insight. And then I'll speak again. But you need your notes too. Three of you got that. Thank you. <laughs> Write this down. Character is defined as qualities distinctive to an individual. Qualities that are distinctive to an individual. And Joshua possessed many distinctive qualities that set him apart for the work that he was called to do. The whole story of how he developed this character isn't really known to us because we don't know very much about Joshua's early life. He just sort of pops onto the scene at a critical time and develops into God's man over a large period of time, influenced by several people and, of course, by his obedience and his relationship with the Lord. When the Lord needed someone to take a stand, Joshua was there. You know, Nano, he wasn't like Samson or, or David or Samuel, where we have their story from birth on. One day, we don't know him, and the next day, he's there. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot on Joshua before Moses passes away. <clears throat> but like Jack was saying, Joshua was a man of a ton of qualities his character was giant, and there's so many things that make up Joshua's character. There's a lot of people out there that would look up here and say there's a lot of character on stage, but I don't want you to define those qualities because they're probably not something we want to hear right now. You can laugh. It's okay. We're, you know, I know we need to wake up. So the first time we really see Joshua and the characteristic of him being a great leader is it's, it's not whenever he gets exalted as the leader, kind of the person leading the Israelites into the promised land. It's back whenever he is still serving Moses, all right? And so they're, they're still wandering in the wilderness. They wandered for 40 years, and so they're still wandering in the wilderness, and the Israelites are starting to complain. They're like, I don't want to wander no more. Where, where is this land? It's not worth it. 
I'm tired of following Moses and this guy. You know, they're just complaining about it. And they actually start thinking we were better off in Egypt. They were like, we're better off in Egypt. What are we going to do? Hey, I have an idea. We can get a new leader. We can shove Moses and Aaron and them and get them out of the way, get a new leader, and go back to Egypt, the place that God himself sent plagues and and just did miraculous works to get us out of. Mm -hmm. They were so discouraged. They were so, so, so disgruntled about the, the place that they were in. And so Moses was the one that was leading them. And if you look in Numbers 14, 5 through 9, you'll see Joshua's first big step as a great leader. And then it says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all of the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all of the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. The Lord delights in us, in us, all right? Then he will bring us to the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of that land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Mm-hmm. Okay? So at this point in his life, Joshua was just a foot soldier. He was a spy. He had went with Caleb, and, and they had went and spied out this land. He wasn't the great leader. He wasn't who everyone looked to. And I can only imagine being in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are ticked off and yelling at you and just to sit there and say, nope, I've had enough. They're on their faces. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say something. I'm going to remind you guys that God is the one that promised this to you and God is faithful. Don't get weary about it. Don't get weary about it. And so Joshua wasn't this big, great leader, but he showed courage, and he stepped out in faith whenever he was needed. It's part of being a great leader. And so you'll have to bear with me because the story of Joshua is it's crazy. There's so many good things, and so, but it would take probably an entire month to run through all of Joshua. So I am going to be hitting the big parts and skimming through it. Um, And so we continue in Joshua. We get back in Joshua. And Moses has passed away. All right? Joshua is getting ready to lead all of Israel into the promised land. That is a task that I know I myself could not undertake. Like, there are so many things going against them. There's so many things going against them right now. They've got to cross this massive river, the Jordan. 
They've got to defeat all of these different cities and, and, and you know, just places. But Joshua is always looking to God. In everything that he had done, he always looked to God. And so, they're sitting there getting ready to cross the Jordan. So Joshua sends out two spies, all right? And they go, and they actually come up on a place called Jericho. You guys know this. Jericho is this city, all right? And it's a great city. It is a great city. And they get to the city, and they, the, these spies get to the city, and they, they meet a lady, Rahab. All right? And she takes them in, and she tells them, you know, we know what God has done for Israel. We have heard, and here we are. This great, giant city. The walls, I'm, I'm serious, like these walls, it wasn't like, you know, some of you might understand this, back in the day when you tried to sneak, you know, into the football stadium at night, and, you know, you tried to wiggle through, or maybe you were like, I'm smart enough, I can throw a towel over the top of the, the gate or the fence that was surrounding it so no one could get in, you know. Yeah, it wasn't like that. These walls were massive. They had people living inside these walls. That's where Rahab lived, was inside the wall. Huge, gigantic place. So big. And so they're there in this giant place, looking at it, checking things out, and they... They make a, a, a deal or a promise with Rahab because she's like, we know everyone in Jericho right now is terrified of you guys because they know that and they saw what God did for you and they know that you're coming. And so, we're, so in the story it goes on and um, the, the king hears that the spies are there and sends some men to her house she hides them, tells the guards, you know, they're not there, sends them on their way, and then they make a promise, you know, because I have shown you this hospitality, please spare us when you guys take this city. So she lets them down, they go back, and we get to the part in the story of Joshua where it's his first major thing of him being in charge, him being the great leader. They're crossing the Jordan. And it's no easy task. The Jordan is a massive river. They have thousands and thousands and thousands of people going with them. And, and like we've been saying, Joshua always looks to God for the answer for the approval for what to do next. It's what made him the man that he was. And so in Joshua 3, we see right here 
that God is exalting Joshua, saying, this is it. Your time is starting now. This is your time, all right? And said, the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So, Joshua hears from the Lord. Joshua, being who he is, does what God says. It goes on to say how they crossed the Jordan. The priests carrying the Ark went and they set foot in the Jordan And when they stepped foot in the Jordan, the waters swelled up. God, miracles started happening, and the waters swelled up way upstream, and everyone crossed on dry land because our God is a powerful God, and he was showing the Israelites, I'm still with you. I'm with Joshua. Get ready to come home. And so they crossed the Jordan, and they're outside of, they're they're to the east-ish of Jericho, and they get ready to go in to this great city and just take it, and I know that if I was there, I would have a couple of questions, one being, how in the heck are we going to take a city with these massive walls with this, this giant city that is locked up and barred up, no one's coming in, they aren't going out, they are just inside, how the heck are we gonna take it? Because they feared Israel. They feared them, that's why they were locked up. In Joshua 6.1, it talks about that. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went in and none went out. They were terrified of people who don't have homes, of people who've been homeless for 40 years. They were terrified. They were. This great city was terrified of them. They knew that God was on their side. They knew that. So in Joshua... 2.5, we see another example of Joshua looking to God first before he acted, listening to what the Lord had to say. And in Joshua 6.2.5, God is telling Joshua, this is how it's going to happen. And God says to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all of your men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpet. It shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of that trumpet, that all of the people shall shout with a great shout, 
Then the wall of the city will fall flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. So God tells Joshua that. And Joshua gets to go tell the army of Israel that. How are we going to beat this great giant nation, this city? How are we going to do it? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk around the walls. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I, I, I do this a lot. And whenever we were, whenever I was going through this, I was sitting there thinking, if I was there when Joshua came and told me, okay, now we walk around once each day, six days on the seventh day, it's seven times, and uh, then we're going to shout, and it's just all going to fall down, and we win. If I was getting briefed for war, and I, I, someone told me that, I'd be like, you go. Let me know how, you know, that's not, that's not normal. But the thing is, the Israelites knew because Joshua was a great leader, because he listened to the Lord. They knew that. They saw it in his character that he was a man that God was very, very close with. And so Joshua listened and he followed. And you see it in Joshua 6, 20 and 21. So the people shouted. They've already walked around. This is, this is the seventh day. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpets and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat and the people went up to the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. Mm-hmm. because God was for them, yeah. because God was with them, Amen. and because they had someone that listened very closely to God. Yeah. Joshua was courageous. He stepped out in faith every single time that he did something and listened to what God had to say. There's, there's two major things right there already that Joshua accomplished because of the Lord and adhering to what the Lord had to say. He exalted Joshua as a great leader. But as all of you know, and as all of you have done too, we know that no one except Jesus was ever perfect or will ever be perfect. Amen? It don't matter how much of a great leader you are, you're still going to mess up. I still mess up all the time, and I'm not even a great leader. So, but Joshua was this great leader. But there were a few things, Jack. There were. There were a few things that happened in Joshua's life. Joshua did, indeed. You know, as Nano said, Joshua, Joshua developed into not only a great political leader, but he was a great military leader. I believe 31 nations fell under the military leadership of Joshua. Five kings were killed and destroyed. Of course, we saw the crossing at the Jordan and the conquest 
of Jericho. All of these came to pass because of the leadership of Joshua. But in the taking of Jericho, God did lay out specific plans. In Joshua's credit, he passed God's word on to all of the people. The primary thing being God said, I go before you. This battle is not yours. This battle belongs to me. At the siege of Jericho, although it was Joshua who led the armies, it was the Lord who led the battle. And back in those days, everyone knows that in the battle, the booty goes to the leader. So the Lord says, when you take Jericho, you will destroy everything. Everything, because it belongs to me. Destroy everything. You take the gold, the silver, the copper, and the bronze. You bring it under the house of the God, uh, under the house of God. Everything else is to be destroyed. Everything was going as planned until a man named Achan made his way to the battlefield. And in the course of the battle, somewhere along the line, Achan saw something on the ground that caught his eye. It was one of those things that the Lord said could not be touched. But the lust of Achan overtook his good sense, and he gathered it up unto himself. He hid it, hid it within his robes, carried it back to his tent, dug a hole, and buried it in the ground. Which leads, as Paul Harvey would say, to the rest of the story. I know... 80% of y'all are going, who is Paul Harvey? <laughs> Joshua 7 says, the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully regarding the things designated for destruction. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah took some of the designated things. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Then they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up. Have only about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not trouble all the people there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men from the people went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck and killed about 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them on the mountainside, and the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the ground on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, O Lord God, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan only to hand us over to the Amorites to eliminate us? If only we had been willing to live beyond the Jordan. How quickly we change. How quickly we change. If you remember last week, Victor pointed out, as Nano alluded to here, that there are no perfect families. There's no perfect people. There's no perfect leaders. 
Here we see, in my humble opinion, in my humble opinion, for all of his character, his ability, and leadership, that Joshua is not a perfect man. Although Achan is the one who brings this curse on Israel, Joshua may have acted rashly in his advance on Ai. It says in verse 2, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. In the wilderness, he watched and he learned from Moses, as Moses would inquire of the Lord. After the death of Moses, as Nano pointed out, it was the Lord who instructed Joshua and exalted him in the eyes of the people. At the Jordan River and before the siege of Jericho, Joshua both sought and received the guidance of the Lord. This built confidence in the Lord in Joshua's heart. And confidence is a good thing as long as we remember where to place our confidence. King David wrote, says, from where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We need to remember our God is sovereign. He is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And for that reason, write this down. For that reason, it is not only the big choices we should give to the Lord, but every choice. Amen. Not only the big things, but everything. Now, let me clarify that. If you go to Walmart, pretty sure I've seen Roy Dean doing this. If you go to Walmart and you're standing in the toothpaste aisle, and you're trying to decide whether to get cavity fighting or teeth whitening toothpaste. You don't have to fall on your knees and wait for an answer. <laughs> yes, without a fleece. But I am saying that we make far too many decisions for ourselves that affect our spiritual lives, our personal lives, our families, our friends, our church, without inquiring of the Lord. Amen. You may think it doesn't affect anybody but you. Achan thought it would affect nobody but him, and it brought a curse upon the entire nation of Israel. The things you do and the choices you make not only affect you, but it affects everybody around you. Amen. You need to seek and inquire of the Lord. And that's why I believe maybe, just maybe, the great victory at Jericho made Joshua and his fighting men a bit overconfident. Or maybe in his enthusiasm to claim the land, Joshua failed to wait on the word of the Lord. It could have been that if he had sought the Lord, if he had sought his guidance, didn't drop his papers. If he had sought his guidance and his instructions, that the sin of Achan might have been revealed and the defeat at Ai and the loss of 36 men could have been prevented. I can't say definitively this is the case, but I do know that so often I, and I'm pretty sure you, 
have found ourselves after receiving a blessing from God, whether it's answered prayer, whether it's a healing, whether it's a, a financial need, a deliverance, a spiritual renewal, that we have become convinced that we played a bigger part in it than we really did. We always need to remember, it is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. But whether or not this was a factor, after the defeat, Joshua, true to his character, fell on his face before the Lord. And as we read, after that small episode of doubt, Joshua obeyed the word of the Lord and cleansed Israel of their sin. And the lesson that he learned must certainly have had an effect on Joshua because he then proceeded to lead Israel for somewhere between 35 and 50 years. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. But what after that? What after that? You know, Victor's not getting any younger. Real quick, this is not in my notes. I've been coming here about nine and a half years now. First time we came to church here is because of my grandson. And we left. I told my wife, I said, ah, it's one of these churches with one of them young pastors. Here we are nine and a half years later. And I watch Victor on, you know, on, uh, well, when he's up here preaching or if I watch it on TV and I go, man, he's getting old. You know, which... <laughs> Great leadership, great, great burden, right? And uh, so, so what after Joshua? See, Joshua, forming his character and his leadership, Joshua had Caleb to follow. When the spies came back and they brought back conflicting word, ten of them saying, oh, there's giants in the land, we can't take it. And Caleb, Caleb is standing there telling the people, no, we can go in, we can go in. On the second day, Caleb and Moses are standing there going, we can take it. And the people are going, stone them, stone them. Joshua stands up beside them. So Joshua had Caleb. He had Moses. 39 years after that incident, he had Moses that he served and learned from and grew under. He had the Lord as his guide and as his instructor. But Nano, after Joshua and the elders had their time, I mean, you can't just look at the present. Because things don't end with us. No. They go on. There has to be something to follow. Yeah. And, and, and what is it that happened with Joshua and the elders? Well, this is where we see another part in the story of Joshua that I would consider another shortcoming. This great leader that led all of the nation of Israel into the promised land. They took down all these cities, as Jack was talking about. But what happened 
Jack shared scripture that said, all the days of Joshua, the people of Israel, they knew. But what happened after? What happened to the next generation? When Joshua passed away, we see it in Judges 2.10. And it says, when all the generation, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the balls, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. This is where it's going to kind of get a little heavy because the next generation is something I feel very strongly about. God has laid the next generation on my heart. And I might step on your toes and I'm sorry if I do but whenever I was writing this out it was like punching myself in the face too. It hurt. Because this is where we're at, guys. In our world, we're seeing with each and each and each generation more and more and more who don't know the Lord. Mm -hmm. We're seeing more and more of people following gods because of the people around them. And I get ticked because even, and I'm not saying just here, but Christians, the big C church, even in the church, I hear it all the time, people sitting there and complaining about the next generation. They're so godless. They're so lazy. They only do what they want to do. And I've had people, Christians, come up to me and didn't look me in the face and say, your generation is so far from God. And every single time I hear something like that, especially from a Christian's mouth, I want to look them in the face and say, I hear you, but what the crap have you done about it? Come on, guys. Joshua failed the next generation. We can't fail our next generation or the generations under them or the generations after them because it's not just one youth pastor and his team's job to go out and talk to the youth and bring the youth in. Guys, it's all of our jobs to go and raise up the next generation. Am I right? Amen. Do you feel that burden in your heart? And here's the thing. Sitting around and complaining about it isn't solving anything. You're becoming more of the problem when you're complaining than any part of the solution about it. That's right. It's true. And I've been there. We see it in our politics. 
We see it all throughout our media. Sometimes we see it in churches with what to believe or what not to believe. And yet it's so easy to sit there and complain about it. Yeah. I want to look at people who are just complaining and say, I hear you, but when is the last time you were in the back speaking the name of Jesus over a baby that you're rocking because they're crying? When's the last time you got on the floor and rolled around with kids and let them throw balls at your head and, and, and build a relationship with them and build a foundation with them so that they have a foundation to know who Jesus is? Right. This isn't a guilt trip, if it, if it seems like one. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to guilt trip you. But I want to look at them and say, when is the last time you served the next generation. Joshua failed at this. We can't. We can't. And I know some of you might not be able to go and crawl on the floor with kids, and some of you might not feel led to come and, and, and sit in a youth service and, and talk to youth, but here's the thing. You serving someone 20 years younger than you by just talking to them, sitting down, having coffee with them, teaching them what the Lord has done for you, using your testimony, it will inspire them and put the knowledge in them, them so that they can go and they can teach the generation under them and the generation under them. But it's not up to one person. The job falls heavy on all of us right. that the next generation is able to know the Lord. That's right. Amen. So I want you to write this down. Will I engage or will I complain? Ask yourself that. It's a, it's a, it's a big thing to swallow. Am I going to engage in the next generation or am I going to complain? Am I going to open up my house so that people can come in and just hang out, have a good time, have a safe place, and start building a foundation? It doesn't happen instantaneously and it doesn't have to. Are, am, am I going to go and walk the halls of the schools and pray over the students? Am I going to go work in the back of the church? Am I going to engage or I'm gonna, am I going to complain? We, and I can't say it enough, we cannot fail the next generation Amen. by letting the Lord and everything that he has done slip through. We can't. Now you can take a deep breath. Okay. 
done yelling at you. <laughs> but it is. It's something that is on my heart. And it doesn't matter how great of a leader there is. How many of you guys know, you've heard the saying before, with a family, it takes a village, right? We are a family. And it's going to take every single one of us to reach the following generation. Right? Absolutely. You know, the failure of not preparing the next generation wasn't Joshua's fault alone. The elders, the heads of each tribe, they should have been involved. Even the families bear a brunt of the responsibility of us not reaching our next generation. I think Joshua was probably aware of this. You can stand in front of a group of people like Victor does every Sunday, but this is just sort of a Sunday brunch. It then becomes your responsibility to go home and spoon feed, spoon feed your family. And there's only one person who can make that choice, and that's you. Joshua said this in the 24th chapter of the book of Joshua. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, their judges, and their officers, and they presented themselves before the Lord. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and do away with the gods which your fathers served beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served, which are beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now it came about after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Real quick, you realize there's more than one God? Anybody agree with me? Huh? Sure there is. Amen. There's God, the creator of heaven and earth. And there's God, the little G, the God of this earth. And Jesus said you can only serve one of two masters. For you'll love one, you'll hate the other. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Are you concerned about your grandchildren? Are you concerned about your children and the path that they're taking? Choose ye this day whom you will serve because they look to you. 
Are you concerned about the way the world is going? Are you concerned about the way the church is going? Choose ye this day whom you will serve. And don't worry about what your neighbor chooses. You need to be like Joshua who said no matter what you do, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So this morning, I want to put a little burden on you. I'm going to ask you today to make a choice. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, I'm asking you today to choose Jesus. Maybe you've been serving the Lord and you've grown a little cold in your experience. I'm asking you to choose Jesus. Maybe you have a need in your life. Maybe there's some trouble facing your family. I'm asking you to choose Jesus. Maybe there's some problems that you just don't want to share with anybody that are burdening you down. I'm still asking you today to serve Jesus. And if you make that choice this morning, I don't want you to bow your head. I don't want you to look at me. Because if you make that choice, I believe you should want everybody to know it. So this morning, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you to stand. Don't stand if you don't mean it. We've asked a few people. Ed, I think, is here, and Susan, and Zeke, and some others. If you can come to the front. If you've made that choice this morning, but there's something on your heart, there's a problem that you're facing, sickness, financial needs, physical struggle, uh, spiritual struggle, whatever it might be. If you've chosen today to serve the Lord, you remember in worship, he is faithful. Joshua found them to be that way. We all have a place of leadership. We all have character. We all have character flaws. We can all be like Joshua, who wasn't, faith, who wasn't perfect, but he was faithful, and because he was, God was faithful to him. If we are faithful in following him, his promises are ours. So choose this day.